This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday the 8th of December 2021. And Norman, you and I are still scanning the skies and scanning the internet for news of Omicron that we will bring to our audience when we feel like it's stuff that they need to know. But for today, I want to talk about something else that has been weighing on our audience's minds a lot over the last few months, especially if the questions that we get from people are anything to go by. And that is about long COVID, those prolonged symptoms that people can get after their infection. And sometimes they seem to happen in people who haven't had particularly severe disease. And we know that being vaccinated protects us against severe disease if you catch COVID, but we also know that breakthrough infections are possible. And a question that we've had from people a lot over the past few months that we haven't really been able to answer in any kind of satisfying way is how much, if at all, does being vaccinated protect you against long COVID? So there has been a study published, word of warning, as we usually give. This is not peer-reviewed yet, so it's a preprint. But essentially, it's a study which has looked back at the medical history of nearly a quarter of a million people who had been infected with COVID-19. And this is a particular uh, research project called the Patient Recovery Alliance. And they're trying to identify factors that really influence the development progression of long COVID. What they looked at in this particular analysis was people who had actually received at least one dose of any of the three COVID vaccines that were available in the United States at that time. So it's Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson. Yeah. What they found was that people who had received at least one dose of any of the three COVID vaccines prior to catching the infection itself were seven to ten times less likely to report two or more long COVID symptoms compared to people who were unvaccinated. So that's a pretty big reduction. Yeah, wow. And also, if you were unvaccinated and you got a vaccination within four weeks of your actual infection, even that reduced your chances of getting long COVID by between four and six times. So it's pretty good. How does that work? That it makes sense that if you can't catch the virus or if you've caught the virus but it's mild that you're not going to get long symptoms. That sort of makes sense to me. But how does it work that a vaccination after the fact could protect you against those prolonged symptoms? The short answer, we don't know. The longer answer is that long COVID is probably related in part to the severity of the disease. Although it can occur in people who've had mild disease, it most commonly occurs in people who have had more severe disease or who've got comorbidities. So it's likely that it's working by actually making the disease less severe. It's also likely that long COVID is actually an immune phenomenon. And being an immune phenomenon, you are maybe changing how the immune system operates and less likely to trigger an abnormal immune response. But those are theories. We actually don't know. There were anecdotal reports a few months ago, Norman, that people with long COVID got vaccinated and they stopped having symptoms. Does this study look at that? It doesn't directly is the answer, but it does show that if you have an immunisation up to four weeks after your SARS-CoV-2 infection, you were less likely to report long COVID symptoms. So that could you could infer there that you've got symptoms, you have it within 12 weeks and those symptoms don't persist, but they didn't directly look at that. Well, I suppose this is just one study, like you say, not peer-reviewed, so definitely not closing the book on this, but really encouraging. And if you needed another reason to get vaccinated, maybe this is it. Yeah, well, we've always said that. This is the hope and it looks as if it's being fulfilled. And then on vaccination, another conversation that's been quite active in Australia over the past few weeks is about boosters. This idea of a third dose being necessary to kind of complete your protection against COVID-19, at least in the medium term. And 
the ATAGI, the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation, has recommended that a booster six months after your second dose is when you should get it. And I think that with Omicron, there was maybe an expectation. And Norman, you have said before that you thought that it should be a shorter time window, but they haven't changed their advice on that. But there actually is more and more evidence coming out just about boosters, different facets of them in the last few weeks. So what's the latest? Well, there is a paper from Israel. It doesn't really go to the spacing because in Israel, it's around about five months, I think, that you can have it. Britain's gone to three. And I think they're pretty loose about it in Israel. I think if you come forward any time after three months, you can actually have it. They're, they're, they don't turn you away. So this is the study about looking at the reduction in the chances of getting infected with SARS-CoV-2 after you've had a third dose versus those receiving two doses. So just the extra effect that you get from that once you've had your third dose. So, so the extra effect in terms of preventing infection, this is not disease, this is the harder task, which is preventing infection, and what's the re- reduction there. And it's a study of Maccabi Healthcare in Israel, which is, covers 2.5 million people. And the population that they looked at was about 300,000 members of the healthcare service who were 40 years and older, and roughly 50-50 male-female. Bottom line, those who had two doses uh, had about 6 or 7% chance of being reinfected, and those who had three doses, um, just under 2% chance of being reinfected. So it was about an 80% reduction in the chances of testing positive for SARS-CoV-2, which is pretty dramatic. And that's the hard job, preventing infection. It's much easier preventing severe disease because that wanes more slowly. So that's a really dramatic change that having that third dose makes. Why do you think Atagi might not be changing the the dosing interval? Or is it right? Is six months the right interval? Well, there are other studies. So there's one study in The Lancet, which which was 8 to 12 weeks following the second dose of either using Astra, Pfizer, Moderna, or even Novavax, which shows not a lot of difference between them and getting quite an effective response. There was an American trial of full-dose Moderna versus Pfizer, and showing that Moderna was actually better than Pfizer, but still pretty good, and that was at 12 weeks. And in fact, the best was three Modernas, and next best was two Pfizers plus a Moderna. So there is evidence you do get an effective immune response shorter than six months. And I really don't know why Ataki has chosen the six-month level, particularly with Omicron coming in, where you want a lot of antibodies on board. It's the antibodies that really prevent infection. You need a lot of them to do it, which means the fresher you're immunized, the higher your level of immunity, the better. So you'd think you'd want that topped up with uh, Omicron coming along. But for severe disease, you don't need as much in the way of an antibody response. It's your T-cell response, that cellular response we talked about the other day, which the cells have memory to produce antibodies, but also they can attack the virus themselves. Um, that's probably what you want to prevent severe disease, and that's much uh, a much lesser task that you're asking for vaccines. So I have no idea why they've made the decision they have. And we're hearing disturbing anecdotes of people being turned away from um, vaccinators, from pharmacies, general practice, and other places, and they're only within a few days of uh, their six month uh, of their six month booster. And I think the guidelines actually are that a medical professional can exercise their judgment to give it a little bit early than um, the exact date of the six months. Yeah, I think the approval goes from two to six months, but the guidelines are six months. So what we're thinking is if you've had this sort of experience with your booster, let us know. 
Yeah, so if you've tried to get your third dose and you've either been successful or it's been a tricky experience for you, do write in. Let us know where you are in Australia as well. You can do that by going to abc.net.au slash coronacast, which is what Bruce and Andrew have done in asking us questions, not about booster shots. Bruce is asking Norman, is there any research work being done to modify the virus to develop a benign but transmissible COVID variant, which could be released to crowd out the current dangerous variants? Or are there ethical issues with this sort of thing? Well, there are ethical issues to do with that because, you know, those people who believe that it escaped from the lab, that's actually what the lab was doing called gain of function tests where you manipulate the the genetics of the virus to see if, in this case, to see what would make a pandemic virus. But you are playing with fire if you're fiddling around with the genetics and then the virus gets released. So I don't think they, they would do that. But what they could play around with are the genes on the virus to see if they could actually get a broad enough antibody response using the genes on the virus uh, to design a spike protein that would actually cover everything. Now, they haven't been able to do that yet. And what we spoke about, I think it was yesterday, was that there's a little bit of evidence from a New England Journal paper that if you had SARS-CoV-1, and there's only about 8,000 people in the world who did, and you've got a SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, that actually you've got a pretty broad immune response. So that may be uh, a better strategy. Well, that actually kind of leads us to Andrew's question, which is, is there a chance that Omicron is different enough that instead of replacing Delta, you could get both, if not together, then one after the other? Yeah, you can get viruses coexisting um, in the same population. You know, Delta's been pretty good at replacing Alpha, but you, you, you in some places you, you've had quite a lot of Alpha while Delta comes in. In South Africa, you had quite a lot of Beta while Delta came in, but eventually Delta dominated. But it is possible that um, using um, Eddie Holmes' metaphor of the shootout at the OK Corral, that they both miss and they both keep on walking down the main street together to get a glass of whiskey in the bar. <laughs> I love it. All the variants living in harmony together. Yeah, just you know, arm in arm. <laughs> well, that's all we've got time Leave for. Leave the horse outside. It's the horse, the humans? I don't know. What's the? How far can we stretch this metaphor? Yeah, that's right. That's true. Well, that's all we've got time for on today's CoronaCast. Send us a message, abc.net.au slash CoronaCast, and we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, we'll mosey in and we'll take up your time. Through those saloon doors. <laughs> <laughs>